Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Fit Literate. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Laura. And today we're uh, tackling the internet's latest obsession, because when are we not? Uh, <laughs> so we're happy you've tuned in, and we hope you're excited to learn about Pilates. Pilates. <laughs> this is one that we have been, we kind of like held off on it for a little because we knew we wanted to do it justice and we knew that we wanted to get input from our friends and colleagues who actually are Pilates instructors and know what they're talking about because I don't know about you, Pol- uh, about you, Palora, Pilates, Palora. I don't know about you, <laughs> Laura, but I know almost nothing about Pilates, at least from like a professional standpoint. I know very little about Pilates, Carolates. Um, <laughs> I I've interacted with it more in like adolescence in in tandem with my ballet training than as mm-hmm. an adult because uh, I think I've always been like yeah I know what that is I don't need to do it um, although I do yeah. think I incorporate a lot of the elements into my own training my sure. teaching style whatever um, but it was fun to dive in and learn a little bit more about the nitty gritty because I think it is first of all very rare that you hear Pilates advice coming from actual certified Pilates instructors <laughs> online yeah. and I think Pilates has taken on this very general umbrella category when it's not it Pilates is of deeply specific modality and it's being treated as well not that so yeah I feel like it's kind of similar to how people will call any like stretching they'll just call it yoga if they don't really know what yoga is similar to that like any kind of just like series of ab exercises, especially if they're done like on a mat on the floor, people will just call it Pilates, even if it has nothing to do with Pilates. Yeah, absolutely. And Pilates, as we'll get into in a second, Pilates does borrow inspiration from a lot of other modalities. Mm -hmm. So there is crossover, but that's the difference between a really well-trained Pilates instructor who has even gone through the most basic step of getting certified, which is not a basic step. It's a very intensive certification get. Yeah. But it's not just someone online looking at a move and going, oh, I know how to do that. So I know how to teach and cue Pilates and tell all my followers to do Pilates with me. <laughs> which um, we will get into in detail. <sighs> but before we dive into today's topic, I want to do just like a quick um, like trend check-in just for us personally, like what is trending in our lives? And I have two specific, um, kind of categories. The first is food. Like what is the trending food in your life right now? And the second is social media accounts. Like what is like a couple or just one social media account that is like you are just loving right now that is trending for you? Oh, oh, Okay. Um, I love when you spring a surprise question on me. You keep me sharp. <laughs> you keep me young, Carolyn. Um, I try. Trending food, honestly, on its way down mm. is cottage cheese. Whoa. That was a big, You're already big... de-influencing cottage cheese. I feel like it is just on I'm its rise. I'm not de-influencing cottage cheese. I think cottage cheese deserves more love. I just think that maybe that love is not coming from me anymore because mm. I have had a cup of cottage cheese for breakfast like every morning oh. for several weeks. Um, Because cooking breakfast is out for me. So fast oh. breakfast is in, but I think I may be re-entering a bagel phase which is exciting oh. because I had been bagels had been I had de-influenced myself from ba- that sounds more conscious than it was I got sick of eating bagels yeah I'm back yeah. into maybe you're a back in your bagel era. type phase so yeah. interesting that you say that because um, literally just yesterday while I was out on my walk I like I don't know if I saw a post or something that had cottage cheese in it and I was like you know I have never tried cottage cheese. Maybe now is the time. Like I have literally never eaten a bite of cottage cheese. (laughs) That's just one that's never entered my life. Um, So maybe you're just passing the torch to me. I mean, aren't you deeply lactose intolerant, Carolyn? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's part of why. But they make make, like lactose free 
cottage cheeses. Like I can have yogurt. Mm. I, I eat yogurt for breakfast like at least twice okay. a week. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is the lactose and not the dairy. We don't need to discuss the ins and outs of your no. gut stuff. But okay. Online. So anyway, um, anyway food wise, cheese, cottage cheese out, bagels in. Potentially. Yeah. I haven't quite, it might be English muffins too. <sighs> mm-hmm. I just, I, I think I'm entering a savory phase. Okay. I think savory food is trending. Yum. Um, yeah. How about you? What's your food? food trends for my, spring. What, what's really in for me, and this was kind of a surprise, it sort of happened by accident, but I'm really into walnuts right now, which is the most random okay. thing ever. But I realized that for like the past year, I wasn't really eating, like buying or eating nuts. Like I would eat peanut butter, but I wasn't like going to the store and buying just like nuts. And for some reason, I was just, I saw walnuts at Costco in this giant bag. And I was like, I'm going to buy this massive bag of walnuts. And um, Eben and I finished the Costco size bag of walnuts in like two weeks. So we're oh my we're in our walnut era. It is it is walnut time. We sound so elderly. Like we're finalizing our descent into the two old guys from the Muppets. Like next month we're gonna come back and be like, we're really into peppermint tea and bran muffins. Like <laughs> cottage cheese and walnuts. That's so boring. I know, but <laughs> I've been like crushing up the walnuts and putting them on yogurt with uh like defrosted frozen blueberries and chia seeds and honey, and it's so delicious. So we're doing the same thing because I'm making a cottage cheese bowl with melted frozen fruit. And chia seeds and like hemp hearts and yeah. pumpkin seeds or whatever. It's the same thing. Or it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I almost said shredded almonds, but that's not what those are called. Um, okay. Content, content trend, mm-hmm. content trend. Um, honestly, I'm really trying hard again to cultivate my for you page to only show me cats. I Great. only interact with cat videos. I will say something that I am enjoying recently. And just to put a date stamp on this, we're recording this March 1st. So if this is also on your For You page, there is a guy who's doing like modern reactions to historical events. Octopussy88 or whatever his name is. Yeah. Dear Sweet Octopussy. Octopussy. If you haven't seen this, he's doing like POV. No, no, wait. Octopussy is what his followers call him as a joke in the comments. It's just octopus lover eight. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) charming. Um, he's doing like POV. You just broke the liberty bell. And you called me your most supportive friend. Or he's like POV. I just found out that. Uh, Goody Proctor is a witch like that kind of stuff it's it's quite funny it's quite I'm going to yeah I'm this is the one that I think I was introduced to him with um and I just instantly fell in love with (laughs) this young man's comedy but this one is Paul Revere (laughs) this young man (laughs) this young man you're you're entering your 80 year old phase well I think he's like a college student like what am I gonna call him a boy (laughs) Um, but okay. So this one, I'm going to play the audio into the microphone because it's so funny. Paul Revere telling people that the British are coming. Hello. Hey, are you going to come tonight? Do you think? Oh, why? It's going to be fun. The British are coming. What? Wait, what? I mean, no, I literally just found out. What? Why are you yelling at me? What? Are you what? Hello? What the f- no? What the fuck? I just I don't know if it comes across without being able to see his body language and stuff too, but it's so funny. I think that was the first one I saw, and I'm terrified to follow him because then I'll never see another one because that's how my algorithm works. Oh no! I mean, I followed him and I've been seeing him every day, and my. Uh, feed has been showing me videos of his from like a month ago. So, oh, delightful. Well, he was one of mine. Um, and I'm trying to find the other account. Oh my gosh, here it is. Okay, the account is Radicchio Salad underscore. And 
this account, what I love about the this like series of posts he's been doing is that it really is towing the line between satire and sincerity because he has just this very like not quite deadpan, but like calm and serious way that he's talking about the topics in his videos. But the topic is just like a little bit goofy. And so it started with him doing a series where he was ranking like the five top vegetable moments of various decades. And now he's into a series where he's ranking the top um, the or the the hottest beans or the most iconic beans of different decades. <laughs> and and the videos are just so delightful. He only has 961 followers. I don't know how my For You page was graced with this lovely content or why he continues to make so many of these videos, but I hope he never stops because I love them. And one of the most iconic beans of the 90s was the phrase cool beans. And I liked that little twist. That's that's fantastic. I've also definitely seen this guy's content on my for you page and he doesn't even have enough followers me? to go live how no what did he figure out I, I don't know amazing i don't know but he's only been doing this for like a couple of weeks he just stumbled into this i don't know this, this very niche. yeah it's very unique <laughs> um very fun take on like a like a top five list <laughs> everybody loves a listicle True. Oh, man. Okay. Should Weird we talk time about for content in general. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into Pilates. Why not? Why we're here. Oh, so the number one thing that I think the internet doesn't know about Pilates is that Pilates is named after Mr. Pilates, Joseph Pilates. Um he was born in Dusseldorf, Germany in 1883, according to the Pilates oh. The legend sort of has it that he was a quite frail and sickly child are the words that you see being frequently used to describe him. Uh, he had asthma. He had rickets. He dealt with... Um, rheumatic fever I was gonna say rheumatoid arthritis Mm. rheumatic fever and his parents were both in the proto wellness industry I believe one of them was a naturopath and one of them was into physical fitness somehow so a very young like teenage Joseph Pilates turned to fitness as a way to take care of his body and he would work out outside in his underwear so he could get enough vitamin d to help deal with the rickets and he put a huge emphasis on breath work because of his asthma and he did a lot of slow controlled movements he also studied uh, martial arts. He studied gymnastics. He studied bodybuilding and he studied yoga. Uh, so to skip forward several decades, you can see the echoes of all of those different movement types in the foundations of Pilates. You get punching and kicking movements from the martial arts. You get foundational poses from yoga like planks and downward dogs, whether they're on a mat or on a reformer. Um, you get the the body mastery of bodybuilding. And I would argue also the like split body part focus. And you get a lot of the mm, more mm-hmm. acrobatic types of movement. Like imagine a guy up on the, what's it called? Like the pommel horse, like the the ones that you press down on and you lift yourself off, like there are echoes of all of these various disciplines he studied. Um, So he's a a lifelong movement lover. Let's call him Joseph Pilates. Uh, Pilates as a discipline really comes to, Oh, he also like ran away with the circus, which I couldn't find a ton of information on, but I thought that that was interesting. I've also seen in various places that he was a diver and a skier, um, they've talked about him like training uh, officers at Scotland Yard. There's a lot of mythology that surrounds this very real person who we know had a background in various movement practices and then invented this modality. So that being said. And it sounds like similar to um, 
you know, fitness industry practitioners of the modern day and age. It's a lot of working lots of different random jobs and trying lots of different things and being a little bit all over the place and wanting to continue to learn throughout one's career. Yeah, right. So uh, when Joseph Pilates ran away with the circus, theoretically, allegedly, he ended up in England. And unfortunately, he ended up in England during World War One. Uh, where he then lived in an internment camp with other Germans. So while he was in this internment camp, very weak, low energy, we can say, um, he started to develop his own technique of physical fitness, which was focused on total body control, slow movements, breath work, and as we would call it now, I'd say low energy workouts, adaptable fitness, um, lots of Mm. grounding movements, working from where you are. He thought it was incredibly important to stay moving no matter what that looked like. And if you're familiar with the piece of Pilates equipment that's called the Cadillac, it's got sort of a You'll normally see like a wooden bar on springs, these sort of loaded springs that then made their way into reformers and mega reformers. He actually invented that by taking the springs from a hospital bed and attaching it to a railing and using that as equipment to get bedridden patients moving again. Uh, So he started training other people during this incredibly stressful and terrible time. And he really seemed to find a passion for helping other people, for rehabilitating people with fitness rather than, you know, that's that's kind of a left turn from bodybuilding and running away with the circus. So he develops the practice of Pilates. And then in the early 1920s, he emigrates to the United States with his wife, Clara. They say he met her on the boat. Who knows if that's true, but it's romantic. So I'm going to throw it in there. And he opens a Pilates studio on 8th Avenue, 939 8th Avenue, which if you're a New Yorker listening to this is between 55th and 56th Street on 8th Avenue. Uh, And he starts training New York's creative elite, let's call them, because of his proximity to so many studios and so much of what was Midtown Manhattan culture at that time. He starts training actors and he starts training ballet dancers and his methodology gets picked up by people like George Balanchine and Martha Graham. And so Pilates becomes this sort of iconic cross-training method for other artists. I hope that makes sense. That's kind of how I was introduced to it. As a trained ballet dancer, you are often encouraged to also pursue fitness through Pilates, which is amazing. So important to note that his business model was largely built around celebrity clientele coming to take lessons and to spread the word about Pilates, which I should note that he didn't actually open a Pilates studio. He opened a Contrology studio, which was the original name before it took on his name. Uh, The foundation of that being Control, Controlology, Contrology. The principles of Pilates are Uh, Traditionally cited as breath, concentration, centering, control, precision, and flow. Uh, But Joseph Pilates really focused on breath, whole body health, and whole body commitment. So again, this idea of control, of mastery over the whole body, and of bringing everything back to the foundation of breath. Uh, And then people were along for the ride. And he was in midtown Manhattan and he was working with creatives and he was working with celebrities and this sort of new mystery masterful movement discipline started to spread through word of mouth and started to be used to train the New York City Ballet and Martha Graham's dancers and I think you could make an argument that that's sort of a beta version of influencer marketing. Um, So that's how Pilates came to America. And then, I mean, this wasn't too long ago. This is, you know, 
Joseph Pilates only passed away in 1967. So a lot of Pilates instructors who are teaching today were actually trained under Pilates. That would make them pretty old. Uh, But there are still some around and a lot of people were trained under people who trained directly under Pilates. So it continues to be this pedagogy that's really passed down in a very particular and received and controlled way. So that's a little history on the origin and dissemination of Pilates, former the artist formerly known mm-hmm. as Contrology. So these trainers that train directly under Pilates are referred to as Pilates elders. They include his wife, Clara, who continued the training after he passed until she passed away. Um, and these were sort of the what would you, could you call them original splinterings in the methodology of Pilates that people took this training and they sort of ran with it. And some of them, like any uh, received pedagogy, which I'm using my big dance business words today, but when choreography is passed down, say, people will disagree on the choreographer's original intent. And so you'll see... Uh, versions, very, very similar versions of the same thing that claim to be the original that are all tweaked slightly because they're filtered through the lens of the person who was originally taught by the direct source. So the these Pilates elders all branched off to form their own Pilates studios, teach their own Pilates instructors, and continue the proliferation of Pilates as it's still a an incredibly popular form of exercise a hundred years after its inception. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a similar, it sounds similar to dance. It also reminds me of um, how I know things kind of work in the martial arts world that there is like mm-hmm. lineages of teacher to student who becomes the teacher and has their own students. And um, they kind of can, depending on the modality um, that you're talking about, sort of add to or modernize or tweak um, what it is that they teach to fit their own, like that teacher's own um, perspective or what they feel like is important or incorporate, um, you know, science and research as it evolves about the human body and about movement. Um, So it's interesting. And Pilates is like Pilates was invented as an amalgamation, as an amalgam of all these different disciplines that Joe studied that Mr. Pilates studied and it was also intended to be used for you know physical therapy purposes for rehabilitative purposes so it's very Mm -hmm. tailored to the individual I think a lot of people consider Pilates good Pilates training is happening one-on-one with one practitioner and one student so this is a deeply Mm -hmm. personal malleable and um, it, personalized. Pilates contains multitudes, shall we say? But it's also yeah. deeply specific. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. yeah. So, do you want to hear about some of the drama that's going on in the Pilates world right now? Oh, always. We did way too much history. Because I want some tea, of course. <laughs> like with all of the topics we cover. There, there's always one guy <laughs> or one person who is stirring things up, uh, <laughs> causing problems, um, filing lawsuits, and this is no exception. So here it's we go. Universal <laughs> death tax and one guy who fucks things up. <laughs> um, so basically kind of related to this idea of the various lineages and stuff. For decades, especially since um, Mr. Pilates uh, passed, you said in the 60s. Um, So he apparently only certified two instructors himself. And um, oh my gosh, I hate that I didn't write this down. This this was coming from... uh, Um, some of the messages that we got from various different instructors. But um, basically, there were two instructors that he certified himself. And um, it's 
interesting and I think important to bring up that both of them were women of color. Um, So I think that's really interesting. Um, But then the person who kind of took over the Pilates brand was not one of those two um, technically certified instructors. But either way, um, over the decades... Lots of different people have been starting their own studios, you know, creating their own certification programs. And it's been a little bit like decentralized, to put it one way. Now, in the 90s, this guy named um, Sean Gallagher decided that he wanted to be the one to own the trademark to the name Pilates. And so he set out to do that and essentially started suing all of these different Pilates instructors and businesses trying to claim the name Pilates as his own, like as his trademark that other people would not be allowed to use in their branding. And this is kind of going against the way that things had been done where, you know, lots of people were able to use the name Pilates and whatever. Um, I think that lawsuit wrapped up in the year 2000 and he lost. So officially Pilates was deemed like by the courts to be a general term similar to yoga where like it cannot be trademarked Mm. or copywritten by any individual person or company and anyone can use the word Pilates um, legally without having to like pay to somebody else. Um, Now, there are various organizations that have more respect within the industry in terms of like their certification processes that I don't really know anything about. Like that's a whole other piece of internal politics. But um, but yeah, so this guy, Sean Gallagher, he has not given up the fight. And as of last year, he is now trying to trademark and claim for himself the specific choreography sequences of Pilates. And he's basically (sighs) going through the same process of attempting to sue instructors um, who are using this set of photographs that was like published to the like Joseph Pilates archives after he died. Um, And they're essentially just photographs of him like showing different postures and movements and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um ostensibly have been included in portions of like teacher trainings and people use them um, as like educational content online and stuff. And I mean, this guy, his main goal is, and there's even a, a quote in a New York times article about this where he's like, well, why would I not do this if it could help like stomp out some of my competition? Uh- <laughs> like, why wouldn't I want to have ownership of this if it could keep my competition from using it? And I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. So you really are just uh, going that route. I mean, route. not to get Alrighty too then. like idol worshipy, but that is literally against everything about the original intention of Pilates. Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, one um, organization that would be worth um, following that I want to shout out, and I just want to thank. Um, Rachel from Rad Pilates, she sent me so many pages uh, to follow that we're going to be including um, like shout outs to and and stuff from. But this is one of the pages that she sent me. And when I was looking at it, I saw that they um, are really advocating for. Uh, well, they're called the Pilates Transparency um, Organization. Wait, hold on. Here we go. Pilates Transparency Project. And so like keeping Pilates, like not gatekeeping Pilates essentially is their their big um, advocacy. Uh, Yeah. So if you're interested in that, that would be a cool page to check out. In the link in their bio, they also have um, a link to that New York Times article I was talking about. But basically, uh, there's um, some interesting internal politics in the industry going on there. Yeah, I thought that was cool to learn about. And hopefully the lawsuit uh, ends up being ruled in favor of Pilates teachers everywhere who should be able to teach their modality without it being owned by uh, some guy. 
This reminds me so much of all of those Tracy Anderson lawsuits. And I'm so sorry to uh, evoke her name in this space currently. But (laughs) at a certain point, there are only so many ways you can move your body around. And Mm -hmm. trademarking them just feels like claiming the right to a specific pattern of movement feels like kind of a fool's errand. Yeah. 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 And it's a, a pattern that has continues into the modern era. Yes. But so I thought that was just very interesting to research. And it's just wild that this guy is basically trying the same thing again, <laughs> even, even though it didn't go his way uh, 30 years ago. So Um, We will see how that turns out. But anyway, back to the topic at hand, which the real topic of this episode is like Pilates on the internet. That's how we're kind of zooming in. Like we could talk on and on for hours and hours about all of the details about Pilates as a movement modality, but this is fit literate. We want to talk to you about, you know, fitness content, fitness media, and how to, you know, take a critical look at it and know what you are being sold, if it is something that is worth your time, energy, and money. And yeah, that's what we're here for. So Pilates on the internet is... It's a lot of things. It is very thin. <laughs> that was a, a heavy pause. <laughs> yeah. It, it's... I'm... It, I'm trying to decide which adjectives I want to start with. But Mm. Pilates on the internet is very thin, very white, very wealthy, um, very aesthetic. Um, And if you were to go by just the things that come up on a cursory search on a a website or a social media app like Instagram or TikTok or Pinterest – and you are someone who is in any type of non-normative body, if you are larger, if you um, have a disability, if even if you're a man, like there's not a lot of representation of men in Pilates, which is so interesting since it was created by a man. Um, but you would think that maybe this isn't a movement modality for me. Uh, when I look on um, Instagram, for instance... It's kind of similar to any other type of like fitness or movement uh, content that you would search for. If you search for yoga or bar or even like women's strength or like women's fitness, you're seeing a lot of pretty photographs of thin, able-bodied women, most of them very young, in beautiful postures, in brightly lit rooms, um, doing cool looking poses, arranging their arms and legs in different ways, sometimes with equipment, sometimes just on a mat. But yeah, it's um, it's not a very inclusive image when you first look at it. On TikTok, you get a lot of challenges and people showing off their transformation benchmarks. You get a lot of content of how Pilates changed my body, of me after three months of Pilates, of do this 30-day Pilates challenge with me, of try these three Pilates moves in your workout. And the majority of the content on TikTok is not being posted by Pilates instructors. It's being posted by people who are just taking Pilates classes. That's a lot of the transformation and like progress content. And by fitness influencers who maybe have very large followings and quote unquote look the part, but don't have any kind of actual qualifications or seemingly any deep experience with Pilates as a movement modality. Um, and I think then it's if also you dig a little bit deeper. Oh, you yeah. go. Nope, you go. Um, I was going to say, and then if you stay on TikTok long enough searching Pilates content, the next thing that starts to come up is a lot of like correction videos (laughs) of actual Pilates instructors reacting to and stitching the bad content and saying, hey, here's how it's actually done, (laughs) Mm. which I think it's interesting that that's kind of like the next layer, at least from what I've seen. I don't know if maybe my algorithm is changing the order that the search results come up in. Um, That is possible. I was going to say that it's probably also fair to assume that 
a lot of the come do Pilates with me or Pilates transform my body or here's my Pilates aesthetic are also consumers slash lifestyle influencers who are receiving content from let's call them fitness entertainment content creators who are Mm -hmm. putting out completely unsubstantiated quote unquote Pilates content into the internet space. So it becomes this sort of like snake eating its own tail of, Oh, here's my Pilates transformation. But it's like, what I'm seeing that word thrown around in every context. Here's my Pilates meal plan. Here's my Pilates cycle syncing. Here's my Pilates aesthetic. Here's my Pilates. Mm -hmm. Get ready with me. Here's it's, it's the, it's the hot word of the hour. It's the gold star sticker that makes a piece of content hit the algorithm. And that is the other thing. And we've talked about this before. We, we had a Patreon episode, I think that was about, you know, we called it sinking cycles or something. Pilates is very embedded in this current trend of like using fitness to balance your hormones or like for people who menstruate to like sink their workouts in a particular way with their menstrual cycle, um, which we've talked about. Like there is some research behind, you know, hormonal cycles affecting certain aspects of physical fitness throughout the month. But there's a lot of misinformation and like boiling things down to the point where it is just nonsense on TikTok. Any advice that's being disseminated over a public platform is advice that is intended for the general population. If someone is not looking at you, does not have hands on your body, does not have your feedback of what exactly is going on, your blood test results, whatever, they cannot give you advice on something as intimate and individual as your menstrual cycle. There is evidence in the literature to suggest that, surprise, surprise, the menstrual cycle affects the body. People who menstruate are not, like women are not just small men. People who menstruate have a slightly different biochemical makeup than people who don't menstruate. So there are considerations to be made, but there is not enough research to support any general population advice that is more specific than listen to your body, track your own cycle, check in with how you feel and respond accordingly. And maybe if you feel like shit, take it lighter. That is the basis of every (laughs) advice and any cycles. Sorry, now I'm just ranting, but no, I I know so many cycle syncing posts that are like, well, you can weight train this one week of your cycle. You can do high intensity interval training this, this week of your cycle, this week of your cycle, you can specifically do Pilates and this week of your cycle, just walk. Here's the thing. Yes, listen to your body. Adjust. Exactly. It's there's all these infographics. Yeah. Oh, the freaking infographics. I was just going to say like first of all, your body doesn't know the name of the workout you're doing. So sure, adjust your intensity, adjust your rest, adjust your nutrition. Um listen to your body and follow its lead. But especially if you have goals, you should not be strength training one week a month. Number two, your body is resilient. And number three, Mm -hmm. again, your body, your body responds to things like rest and intensity. Your body does not respond to things like this YouTube video was labeled Pilates and this YouTube video was labeled yoga. So I'm allowed to do these in this week of my month because Pinterest said so. I think, yes. Oh my God, we'll get to Pinterest in a second. But and I don't mean to yell at y'all. We're frustrated with everyone else, not you. <laughs> and we've talked about this before. And when we talked about this, we mentioned Pilates quite a bit. So it, we're, we're circling back around to this conversation. But one thing you probably have seen if you are on TikTok or even Instagram or Pinterest, because I've only been seeing more of it over the last like six months or so are these infographics and posts that are basically assigning certain types of physical activity to the different weeks of the menstrual cycle. They're like, when you're in your luteal phase, these are the like approved activities. And I understand what they're trying to do. The idea behind it is that 
at certain times during the menstrual menstrual cycle, you may want to consider increasing or decreasing the intensity of your workout to match your energy needs. That's the underlying principle, which is something that I agree with. Like if you are someone where the week before your period, you feel really tired and fatigued, it makes sense to go a little bit easier on your workouts and not push yourself to do like the highest intensity workouts you could possibly imagine. But workout intensity is subjective. Pilates can be low intensity for one person, high intensity for another, depending on how much experience they have, what their current fitness level is, what Pilates workout they're doing. Some classes will be higher or lower intensity than others. Weightlifting can be high, medium, or low intensity. Running can be high, medium, or low intensity. The intensity is not specific to the activity. The intensity is the intensity. And so if you are a runner, Taking the intensity down might be in going for fewer runs, shorter runs, slowing down your pace. If you don't really ever run at all, maybe only running on your higher energy weeks makes sense if you're not trying to like get into running as like an activity that you do all the time. So just be careful about any type of content that tries to ascribe like that tries to categorize the activity into these different intensity groups because that's not how exercise works. Like I'm sure everyone has been who's like done yoga has been to a yoga class that absolutely kicked their ass and was like harder than any like hit class they've been to. And then you've also gone to yoga classes that are 90% meditation and don't even include very much movement at all. Would you consider those the same intensity? Absolutely not. So use your brain, think about it, and apply it to your life in a way that makes sense. And if you're like, this doesn't make any sense, yeah, you're right. It probably doesn't make sense the way that you're trying to match up this generalized for the general population internet content to your actual life as a human being in a body. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a person with a period, you know that your period and the way your body responds to it changes cycle to cycle, month to month. It changes person to person. Some people, Mm -hmm. people's energy and capacity spikes in different places during the month. So if you're looking at this and I know we keep yelling, use your brain at you, which is fun, but probably not the most helpful. (laughs) We also are trying to teach you how to use your brain. (laughs) If you, I I think we're trying to enable you to use the good, smart brain you already have to look at something that ultimately looks like a bunch of gobbledygook that is very difficult to implement. Because like, have you ever tried to plan out every single day of the month and what you were going to eat and what kind of work you were doing, what kind of workout you were going to do? Like, that's impossible. People are struggling to do the dishes and pay their rent. They don't need to worry about Mm. sinking with like... People are lucky if they have half an hour to work out. They don't need to stress out about like what specific type of movements I'm going to do so that I don't throw my hormones out of whack. I think it all comes from a good instinct to empower people to listen to their bodies and to do what works for them. But unfortunately, we've created this like a whole new pedagogy of one hyper-specific uh, protocol that you're supposed to follow instead of saying, hey, these things that you've been told for years and years might not work for you. Like, I think that the instinct is good, but the message is getting garbled because people can capitalize on the message by selling you yeah. their plans and by uploading their graphics to Pinterest. So we won't rant about exactly. this too much longer. If you're interested in ranting about this much longer, go listen to the trend forecasting episode mm-hmm. we did months ago where we talked about low impact fitness and the divine feminine and what the internet is. <laughs> yes. The internet has taken all those uh, cuts of meat and churned out the most horrible sausage of all time. So, yeah. And just the, the last little piece about kind of what you find about Pilates on the internet. Um, one thing that was pretty common on Pinterest, it was like every fifth post when I searched the word Pilates is like, Pilates for weight loss, lose weight with Pilates, Pilates for fat loss. A bunch of them are also like 
like benefits of Pilates probably to like blog posts and stuff. Um, so, you know, that's just Pinterest being Pinterest, which we have a whole episode about that. If you want to listen to it, get out of my diet culture swamp. And when it comes to YouTube, it's a lot of classes. It's a lot of people like posting whole Pilates workouts that are like follow along style, which is not surprising, you know, since YouTube's a longer form platform. And, um, if you want to hear lots of our thoughts on the 2010s queen of YouTube Pilates, Cassie Ho, that is our most popular episode. You've probably already listened to it. So I don't even know why I'm mentioning it. <laughs> but you can listen to the blog Pilates episode if you haven't for more on that. At the risk of being redundant, I think it's fair to sum it up that the current fascination with Pilates stems from the age old. 21st century fear of bulking up mm-hmm. that all of a sudden there is this new thing that people have discovered is quite difficult and challenging and gives you the benefit of feeling like you've had a hard workout, but without all those terrible muscles you're building along the way, yeah. Uh, which is first of all, not necessarily true about Pilates. Like that's a misunderstanding of what Pilates is. And then that's also a misunderstanding of human physiology. Yes. And my last thought before we get into this next section where you're going to be hearing from some actual Pilates instructors is that when you're researching this, you may find uh, information about this like ongoing debate, I guess, within the world of Pilates about like classical Pilates versus contemporary Pilates. And, you know, (sighs) I don't know that much about Pilates, right? Because I'm not an instructor myself and I have not taken very many Pilates classes. But what I can say just as someone who works in the fitness industry, regardless of what that internal debate is within that world, you are always, always, always better off seeking out advice and instruction from someone who actually has qualifications than someone who is an influencer. And so whatever type of Pilates someone is certified in, If they are certified, if they are an actual teacher who has classroom experience and has been trained to be a teacher and know what they're talking about, they're almost always going to be a better resource than someone who just has like an aesthetic, get ready with me, that girl page on TikTok nearly every single time. That I think is a pretty good rule of thumb. (laughs) Yeah. I've not, I'm resisting the urge to add something because I think you summed it up really well. <laughs> okay. Well, as I teased, we um, got some input from some actual Pilates instructors. So some of these are recordings and some of these are um, uh, some like kind of written statements that were sent to us. So we took our own advice and we went right to the source, right to the source. So I would like to um, start with a little written statement that came from um, Linz, who is fat body Pilates on Instagram, Um, because as we kind of mentioned, there's a huge lack of diversity in the top search content on um, most social media pages. But that doesn't mean that people in bodies that are not, you know, thin, white, young and able, like don't exist. Like people in all types of bodies do Pilates and teach Pilates. So let's hear from some of them. (laughs) Okay. So Linz says, Pilates is an incredibly effective and adaptive movement modality as evidenced by its increasing popularity, but the lack of diversity in its marketing and on social media does the industry a disservice. Not only does it create false expectations, I'm sorry, but Pilates isn't going to give you the body of a professional dancer if you're not a professional dancer, you know, but it also creates a sense of exclusivity that leaves so many people feeling like the practice isn't meant for them. Pilates has so many benefits beyond aesthetics that can improve our lives. I truly, truly believe that Pilates is for everyone, all races, ages, genders, body types, and abilities. But how will people ever know that if they never see themselves represented? And I just think that she stated that so beautifully. So thank you, Linz, for um, for that input. Go follow her at Fat Body Pilates on um, Instagram. She's wonderful. That, first of all, that was awesome. Second of all, that 
made me, that got my gears turning about how talking about Mr. Pilates, MacGyvering the first piece of Pilates equipment out of a hospital bed in an internment camp with a sort of, again, not to do too much idol worship and be like, he cared about people, but like him making it work where he was with what he had. And now Pilates maybe represents again, only online, like the most exclusive one of the people are buying four, five, six thousand dollar reformers or paying a lot. I mean, rightfully so, like one on one training is expensive, but paying so much for classes like it, it has one of the most expensive aesthetics, not to legitimize that too much, but it's really interesting to see how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this next message is from Rachel of Rad Pilates on Instagram. Pilates instructors with smaller, able bodies are sometimes seen as health authorities. Many try to sell Pilates as a weight loss tool or for long, lean muscles, that was in air quotes, knowing full well that that's easily debunked and not how muscles work. Pilates is not a weight loss system. It will not help you tone or sculpt. However, Pilates can help you establish or further develop body awareness and a better relationship with yourself and your movement. So now I want to get into some of the recorded messages that we got. And I want to start with um, one of the longer ones. This one is amazing. Uh, It's from Michelle Sims of Get to Work, a movement and Pilates studio. And um, I just love everything that she had to say. I'm not going to preamble too much. I'm just going to let you hear it for yourself. But uh, yeah, thank you, Michelle, for sending this in. Hi, my name is Michelle Sims, fitness pro and Pilates professional. Uh, I've been in this business for over a decade and I am really happy to speak on how fitness in general, especially Pilates looks on social media. Uh, For social media, it's a place for getting likes and views, but not necessarily converting to sales depending on uh, what you're trying to do as a business. What I think is really interesting for Pilates specifically is because it's really not understood um, as a movement practice. It seems like it's some, Pilates seems like it is something that is out of the reach of the general public. Uh, the general public is misconstruing uh, the benefits of Pilates as it relates to a mat Pilates practice or a apparatus Pilates practice. Both are beneficial. But I think the thing that is most interesting to me as of late is uh, the tendency for someone to diagnose uh, a person who is not a medical professional say, oh, you need Pilates, or even medical pr- professionals saying, oh, you should do Pilates, just like they would say you should do yoga. Pilates, yoga, and even conditioning training is very, very nuanced. Um, there are people who specialize in certain types of restorative or rehabilitative Pilates practices and not just these shapes and like uh, stunts that you see on social media. For instance, There are people who specialize in pre and postnatal Pilates, which would be a different practice than someone doing uh, an athletic Pilates, which would be different than someone doing a restorative Pilates, which is different than practitioners like myself. I do uh, rehabilitative Pilates and yoga for cancer patients uh, specifically. So there are several niches that need to be understood as a part of the Pilates practice. And it's not all people with, you know, that mocha beige background, plants in the background with a beautiful reformer and their hair up in a bun and they're thin and they are just, they have nothing to do all day except do Pilates. Um, There are so many practitioners who've been doing Pilates for a long time. There's great lineage and evidence of that lineage from Mr. Pilates himself 
Joseph Pilates, uh, Joseph, you purchased Pilates, uh, and the initial practice called Contrology. Uh, Pilates uh, has a very rich history. Most of it you can read on uh, Pilates.com, uh, talking about how it was passed on. There was a lawsuit that made the word Pilates more generic, like yoga. So there's so much that people want to see to be uh, in a sensational view of Pilates as opposed to a great movement practice that helps a person to connect their mind and their body together. So yeah, Pilates is amazing. Is Pilates a panacea? No, nothing is. But it is definitely something that I strive to make more accessible for uh, the general public, the masses, if you will. Uh, I'm a Include, I, I am an inclusive instructor. I'm differently sized. I am a woman of color. I'm specifically a black woman in this fitness space that doesn't have um, a lot of visible black Pilates instructors or a different, a visible, differently bodied Pilates instructors. So I think that because of like the pandemic time, many people have decided to step up to try to change this vision of what Pilates is and what Pilates looks like. And no, if we're looking at social media specifically, if you're not fitting that paradigm, is two things. The algorithm is real, but also the people driving the algorithm is real. I could do all the same things as a person who looks polar opposite of me, uh, yet my views would be suppressed and the more thin, typical Pilates body person would have their uh, content throttled. And that's a that's a, a platform thing. That's not a person thing. And I'm not faulting anybody who has a great uh, following, but it's like anything else on social media. It's, it's for the gram. <laughs> it's for likes and clicks. I'm more interested in letting people know that, you know, I might be a CrossFit person and I'm very different than a runner, right? So I want to let you know that if you want to try Pilates, that it's a welcoming space. If you learn from me, there's others who you would find on my pages that I recommend, that we recommend one another, that you can find a, a more inclusive Pilates practice for yourself. And also on these platforms that, uh, like a Pilates anytime, they're showing different things as of late. And they've always been pretty progressive, but um, we are seeing more bodies in these spaces. And it is also, lastly, I'm going to wrap it up right here, a little hard when you are that body that is on display and the trolls, the internet trolls that say, well, if that's what you look like, you should be going harder. It's I've got roles. Other people have, you know, differently, different bodies. We can still do Pilates. We're still valid. We still matter. Um, and we reject. We reject this one size fits all model. And we should all look this way. And we should all wear this brand of beige and light baby pink <laughs> Pilates gear. We can wear what we want. We can move how we want as long as we're learning and have good form. And we're learning that form and we're actually taking the practice into our body. So that's what I would like to say about social media like anything else. It's real and it's not. <laughs> but I'm glad that Pilates is getting more attention. Some of it's negative. Some of it's positive. Some of it's kind of like mid uh, neutral. But um, I'm glad that I am a face for many who feel seen uh, because they were underrepresented in some way, shape, or form. So I'm very grateful to be uh, one of the voices of the people trying to change the perception of Pilates instructors. These next two voice messages that we received, um, they're not actually about Pilates specifically, but we really wanted to include them because they are from instructors of two other movement methods that are similar to and often get confused with Pilates. So first up, here is Mojo from What Mojo Loves talking about the differences between um, Pilates and Legray, which is another system that she is very knowledgeable about. 
Asla Griffin is instructor. The number one question I get is, what is the difference between Reformer Pilates versus LaGreep? I like to describe them as distant cousins. There are definitely some similarities. So those similarities include things like the fact that they both are low impact. They both are using a similar type of equipment that's resistance-based, initiating tension with some springs, and they both have a heavy emphasis on strengthening your center core. But they are pretty different. And I would say it boils down to the differences of the objectives of both of these workout methods. LaGree is really focused around getting your heart rate up. It's designed to be more high intensity while still being low impact. So it's designed to make you sweat, make you feel those shakes in your muscles. You transition between moves pretty quick. The spring loads tend to be a little bit on the heavier side for some of the heavy moves versus Pilates is more centered around very specific Pilates principles. And those principles are applied throughout the workout. So like the focus on breath work or mind muscle connection or the precision of your moves. So there's definitely different objectives that are shaping Pilates to be unique from Legree and Legree to be unique from Pilates. I'm a big fan of both. It's all about finding which of these methods you enjoy the most, but both can be great for incorporating into your workout routine. Thank you, Mojo, for that lovely explanation. And now here is Portia Boston explaining the difference between Pilates and solid core, another really popular movement methodology out there that some people confuse with Pilates. Here's Portia. So contrary to popular belief, solid core is actually not Pilates. It is predominantly a strength training based workout. While we do use a Pilates based reformer that is trademarked by us, um, the workout itself, you'll find you're doing a lot more kind of functional strength training like movements, think lunges, squats, uh, planks, a lot of upper body work, pushing, pulling. And for that reason, we use heavier amounts of resistance. So think medium to heavy type weight. Um, it's a very challenging workout, no question, but um, it's also very, very fun and is pretty, I think, unique in that way. Next up, we've got a couple more here for you. And next, we're going to hear from Helen Phelan, who is, um, she runs an online Pilates platform and also teaches out of the Bodycraft studio in Brooklyn. So here is Helen. Hi, I'm Helen, founder of Helen Phelan Studio and a Pilates instructor. And something that you should know about Pilates if you're brand new to the method is that Joseph Pilates, the inventor of the method, was a big, burly, yoked boxer. He was a big guy. And this always makes me really laugh to tell people that because if the literal creator of the method did not have a long, lean model dancer body, where did that come from? That's just modern marketing and fat phobia, really. And I will say he became famous and rose to notoriety working with some big famous modern dancers of the 20th century but they came to him looking like that already and that sort of look has just sort of stuck uh Pilates did not do that to their bodies it rehabbed them it made them stronger but it did not change their aesthetic so if you see any content like that talking about aesthetic transformations please clock it as bull and do not let that noise on social media or from uneducated fit pros discourage you from trying it because it might be the thing that makes you love exercise again and last but not least we're going to hear from one more uh, virtual pilates instructor margaret elizabeth who knows a lot and has a lot of experience with Pilates on the internet. <laughs> so here is Margaret. I think social media makes Pilates out to be this thing that is like super graceful and visually pleasing and aesthetic and for people that are ex-dancers and super flexible and love green juice and like beautiful Pilates studios and like working out on the beach and all that stuff. Like go off if that's you, but Pilates is so much more than I think what we see represented online. Pilates is quite literally a system of exercises that is meant to help you balance out any imbalances that you feel like you have in your body. It's meant to help you mobilize your spine and just like generally move better in your own body. It's not about a snatched waist and long lane lines. I think the way that Pilates is portrayed on social media turns so many people off from it, like so many people that would truly benefit from it. Because like, sure, Pilates could make you more flexible, but it's also going to make you feel a little bit more 
mobile in your hips. It's going to help you open up the front of your body and strengthen your back so that you don't feel like you're, you know, becoming a gremlin hunching over your laptop when you're at work. Like it's just going to make you better able to move throughout your day and have like generally less pain and like less tightness. It's also an exercise form that you can do like throughout your whole life. Like you could start Pilates today and do it until you're 90. And it would consistently be something that challenges you. And I just don't think we see that portrayed on TikTok and Instagram because it's just not sexy. Okay, well, first off, we just want to say thank you so much to all of the Pilates uh, teachers and instructors and instructors in training who um, contributed to this episode and provided their professional insight with us. Um I really think that was it was super valuable to hear it coming from you and not just from us trying to like fumble our way through a topic that we only know a little bit about. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Everybody who's listening, go follow them on social media. We will be putting their links in um, the description on this episode. And we'll be sharing more really great Pilates instructors on our Instagram page. So I hope that if yes. you clicked on this episode because you're interested in Pilates, hopefully, or Pilates has been, you know, felt like a really, really good fit for you. I hope you found some new voices to add to your feed, some new people to love on. Um, and maybe, you know, we'll always give you the red flags to watch out for, but I hope we can also introduce you to some new faces so that you can have some yes. voices in your ears that aren't just us. <laughs> I think that's important. Yes. Oh my gosh. Exactly. And um, if you have anything you want to tell us, stories, opinions, whatever about Pilates, you can email us at um, Carolyn V and Laura G at gmail.com or about anything related to any of the topics in any of our episodes or any future episodes you would want to hear. We love your email. Especially if you're a Pilates instructor and you just want to vent for a second about anything at all. Also, we haven't asked this before, but I will say if you do email us or please email us. I was going to say if you DM us with the intent to have an important piece of conversation, please, please, please email us instead because we don't see all our DMs. If you email us, please just Mm -hmm. indicate whether you'd rather be anonymous or if you're okay with us sharing your first name so we just know how to refer to you. Um, that's something we that is a great haven't point. set up a protocol for yet. Yeah. <laughs> we will always default to anonymous if um, you don't give us permission just because, I don't know, I think as uh, fitness instructors, we tend to HIPAA. think of the information. <laughs> yeah. Or just the, or just privacy that like when people share stuff with us, um, it's shared in confidence, at least to a certain degree. So we don't want to be airing out everybody's dirty laundry unless they are specifically giving us permission to say their name. Yeah. So um, if you email us, we may read your email on the show unless you indicate not to. And if you don't give us permission to your say your name, we will not say your name. Hope that makes sense. Um, if you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon, where we have a growing library of bonus content. Um, and if you don't want to pay money, but you want to support the show anyway, please write us a review. We would really appreciate some more positive reviews because uh, our Tracy Anderson episode got some people very mad. And we know that you guys like the show more than our reviews indicate. Otherwise, you wouldn't be coming back every week. The, the Unless we just have a bunch who- of hate listeners. Which <laughs> I mean, could be possible. People who hate our guts are just a lot, um, a lot louder, a lot more passionate journalists than the people who DM us and say, yeah. "I love listening to the podcast." So, if you like the podcast, it would help <laughs> us out quite a bit to leave a friendly review and a few sentences about why you like the podcast, um, so we can keep the yeah. voices balanced in in the review room. Yeah, we hate to we hate to sound. Um, thirsty and like we're fishing for compliments but you know that's just kind of how podcasts work yeah if if this isn't the only one you listen to i'm sure you've heard this spiel before from others yeah you're welcome (laughs) to leave any kind of feedback you like but if you are loving it we'd love to hear from you absolutely all right thank you so much for listening and being here everybody we will talk to you in the next episode love you Bye. bye